Hello, my name is David Turner and this is another episode of Luna Poetry Shorts. Today I'm joined by Cheryl McLennan. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, David. And how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, as normal, we will start with a poem. Okay. Well, I've a got couple, possibly. Okay, I've got two um, short poems here. and The first one is um, about the silverback gorilla. He sat staring at us whilst chomping on a handful of leaves. It was 30 degrees, not even a gentle breeze stirred through the trees. The guide waffled on in the scorching heat about the demise gorillas will eventually meet. The silverback stood up, lobbed a banana at the guide. It hit him on the back of his head and attached to it was a handwritten note that read, piss off will you, I'm depressed enough as this is. <laughs> Can't blame him, can you really? I think I do the same. <laughs> you both. And this is uh, it's a tiny, this is a poem about a tiny little toad. It's the Colorado River Toad. Anyway, this is he. I sat happily snacking out on insects. That is, until you came along. You grabbed me unceremoniously, plopped me on a glass plate and rubbed vigorously underneath my chin. I became agitated and aroused and had no choice other than to secrete my milky magic fluid. I watched as you waited for your illegal prize to crystallise. You then scraped up my very essence, loaded it into a pipe and smoked it, you crazy bastard. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being that poor little toad? <laughs> How awful is that? I just, I, I, I don't know what image I have in my head uh, when I think of someone smoking my very essence. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on, I think. Um, hello, Cheryl. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Nice to be here. Thank you. Um, as always, uh, the first question is, um, why poetry? Um, well, I think why poetry is, um, it kind of helped me really to find, you know, my own voice and, you know, my own rhythm. And it's a way of writing that I like, you know, I can be quite kind of succinct. Mm. And I first, um, I suppose I've come to this quite late really, uh, I mean ten years ago um, I met uh, Murray Shelmerdine uh, on a creative writing course at uh, Jackson's Lane Community Centre and when we finished the course, you know, uh, Murray who's got um, a community cafe uh, and gardens and they do um, a poetry music night there once a month on a Thursday. So Murray said that, um, you know, we could kind of meet there each Monday, so we did that, you know, for eight years. Um, and, and, and was that something you got into um, deliberately? Like, were you writing before, and you wanted to get involved with a group, or did you? Was that just by chance? You just wanted to try something out? Yeah, no, I mean, I've always sort of written, yeah. you know, and I've written sort of short stories, but I just thought that it would be good to be in a group of people to yeah. get ideas and be able to share ideas, yeah. really. Um, so we um, produced um, several anthologies, short stories, mm. uh, and then about it was about five years ago, I went to Bangsad the Gun, yes. over in South London, yeah, yeah. and just uh, around the corner, yes, <laughs> from here, yeah. And I won the raw meat, I think it was the raw meat stew, tequila shots, and yeah, and so the sort of you know performing started from there, really, yeah. yeah. And what have been your main influences uh, as a writer or performer? And are, are they the same thing? Yeah, I mean it's sort of, I suppose, because you know, I was kind of, you know, um, you know, born in, the, born in the 50s, so 
Um, you know, I liked um, a lot of the course, comedic um, performers, you know, women like Thora Heard, mm. you know, Dora Bryan, Hilda Baker, and, you know, really good stuff on the radio, like, you know, Round the Horn, Kenneth Williams, yeah. all that type. And then, and of course, like then the influences of, you know, the music uh, in the 60s, um, you know, Arla Guthrie, Woody Guthrie, these people, poets and musicians, and Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, and Leonard Cohen, and Frank Zappa, and all the kind of like different. Um, you know types of sounds and um, I did like um, particularly Richard Brautigam, uh, Watermelon Sugar um, and inspired by different writers you know Lessing, Steinbeck, um, Morrison, mm. Wolfe. I have to agree with you that I think um, I always say to people they should check out a lot of their older radio mm. programs mm. because of the way that people have to use their voices in order to be understood by radio audiences and it's amazing how you can download if you wish to I know a it's lot amazing, of these, yes. programs, a lot of these yeah. programs you know yeah. um, recently I bought a load of old cassette tapes of Round the Horn and a few other things mm. um, I still don't have a cassette player yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you can buy the cassettes you can't buy the bloody players <laughs> yes I think actually I might have a cassette player you could have yeah. in my uh, cupboard at home I'd be most appreciative of that um, uh, maybe we should take another poem okay. or two um, well, this is, um, I always kind of think, you know, why have sex when you've got a bag of sherbet lemons, <laughs> really, basically, because I haven't had a lot of, you know, good sex, I have to say, and this is the nearest that I've ever come to S&M, and um, anyway, this is called Sherbet Lemon. You lie there seductively on my bed, I pick you up and remove you from your wrapper, and pop you inside my mouth where you rest ever so briefly. Sliding you from side to side, I suck and caress you slowly with my tongue, pushing you gently in and out. I lick your sticky sweetness from my lips and bite into your crystallized case. Your harshness fills my senses from sharp and back to sweet again and again and again and again a bitter and almost pleasurable pain oh my you gorgeous yellow sweetie how i adore you <laughs> and this is this is it's about i don't cook really you know for any anyone because it's become people have become very kind of fussy really about food and it's not as easy, you know, as it used to be, really. You could just smoke a spliff and, you know, have crisps on toast and everybody was happy, but now it's, um, I think things have changed. I think I have to Google that because I don't think anyone knows what a spliff is anymore. Oh, it's don't they? Am I using old language now? <laughs> old language. No, no, I think nobody knows what cannabis is. <laughs> it's, all, uh, all, it's all those silver canisters everywhere, I don't know what's Yes, going on. Yeah, laughing gas and legal highs, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, this is fruit teas. I don't cook for anyone anymore because it has become far too complicated because there are always at least two vegetarians who eat fish but not with the head on. A vegan who wears leather shoes and a lapsed macrobiotic maniac who eats everything but in a somewhat guilty fashion. And people demand to know if the food has been baked or roasted, boiled or toasted and then that dreadful voice asks in a challenging way do you have any fruit or herbal teas? Yes, I do, I say. I have blackberry, cranberry, orange, echinacea, bilberry, blueberry, peppermint, cardamom, chamomile, 
elderflower and hibiscus. And a satisfied smile spreads across his face. Ah, oh, but do you have any Giokuro tea? Because I'm just back from Japan and that tea is fantastic, it's light and aromatic. No, I reply, but what I do have is a garden full of Japanese knotweed, so go and fucking suck on that. So if you come to my, to see me and my flight, you have to bring your own tea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the next question is uh, regarding how you um, now critique your own work. Um, and that you might not do, that's the fair uh, answer as well, isn't mm. it? Do you have anyone, anybody you share your work with or... Um, yes, uh, well, Mur you know, Murray Shalmadine and also um, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Stubbs. Uh, Charlotte and I have done quite a bit of writing together, so, you know, I'll often, you know, read stuff to her or, you know, and then she gives me feedback and, you know, sometimes I spend more, t a lot of time writing and then chucking it in the bin and, you know, kind of, you know, it just do seems you, to take forever. Do you forever. edit your poetry a lot? Uh, yes, I do. Oh, I do. Yes, I do. I mean, I can get stuck on a sentence, you know, for yeah. days sometimes, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, I can imagine that the way you write, the way each sentence often stands out, it seems like it, you might have spent a lot of time getting it right, especially with the rhythms that you play with. Mm. It, it, it has to be spot on, doesn't it? To, or that, yes, I have, yeah. You know? Yes, I kind of have to be able to kind of like feel, you know, that rhythm really. Do you think that comes from listening to radio when you yes, were younger? Yes, yes, I think yes. It was there's, always there's a, there's you know, a similar yeah, rhythm, yeah. I think. Yeah, because of course there were only kind of like a couple of stations on TV, and yeah. you know the radio choice was sort of you know quite limited. So I did listen to yes, a lot yeah. of radio as a kid, really. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and having talked about how you critique your own work, is there any direction you'd like to see your writing uh, travelling? Um, well, I think at, at the moment I'm sort of quite interested in you know writing uh, monologues. You know, there are quite a few. And things that I'm interested in and concerned about, and one is, um, you know, becoming old in society, you know, and globally how people are treated. It's like they're kind of like almost like airbrushed out. There's lots of issues around elder abuse, so um, this is something that I'll be working on. And also, I'm um, getting my book of poetry together. I've already got a CD, um, so yes, that's what I'll be doing. And why does that form of writing appeal to you? Is it just in terms of now to tell more of a story, or because it's it you know it needs to be out there really, and I think it's not something that's sort of you know really talked about. I think there are so many sort of negative images now, mm. um, you know, around old older people yeah, yeah. and issues, mm -hmm. you know, and also with cutbacks and care quality of care. It's quite often also when those stories are told, they're not told by people of that age or close to that age. Quite often they're written by. Yeah. younger writers aren't they mm, indeed, you know, perhaps yeah. they've been part of yes. a community yeah. group meeting people in that position quite yeah. often it's, they're written by younger mm. people because I, I kind of think you know now I don't know what it's going to be like in 20 years time we're all heading in the same direction mm. you know and I think that you know the quality, the quality of care you know really needs to be you know kind of looked at yeah but um, and the availability of care yeah. really and price but in um, not so much regarding the theme that you're writing about but the, the writing style writing monologues or writing mm. maybe a short play or short stories mm. why does that appeal to you writing in that, in that way? I think because I can use um, you know a different a different voice really you know 
Yeah, it's you, like you feel a, like you can develop a, a voice that's different from Yes, it's a kind of almost like a different different sort of representation, really. Mm. Do you... So you're... The, certainly the poems you've read so far have been quite funny. Mm. Well, very funny. Um, did that sound sarcastic? I wasn't supposed no, to. That was, no. I'm genuinely... No. People will have heard me laughing. Um, I always... When I, I always find when I'm giving praise, I know, it always sounds really mm. sarcastic. My mm. question was going to be, was do you... Is that a deliberate choice, or do you find it hard to, to not? Would you find it hard to not write humorously mm. in poetry? I mean, I think that most of the time I do, sort of, you know, put a comedic slant mm. on, you know, on my on my poetry and writing. Um, so, do you think with the slightly longer form of writing, with the short stories and possibly monologues, it's easier for you to move away from a from that comedic style and write maybe more seriously? Oh yes, definitely. I get into a much deeper and darker, darker place. And actually something I was thinking, because we were uh, just as a clarification for the listeners, we were chatting just before Mm. we started recording about this idea of sort of working class guilt, Mm. because so you moved down to London from Stockport. Mm. How long ago was that? Well, I've been in London now for 30 years. Um, and I think that, you know, growing up in the 50s, uh, you know, in a working class family, there was this terrible sort of deference that was kind of everywhere, really. And you weren't, but well, I personally wasn't um, encouraged to, you know, find my own, own voice. The expectation yeah. was, you know, low, very low, really. So in actual fact, I've actually come to this quite late in life, mm. really. But do you think maybe the sort of comedic style comes from that feeling of poetry? was never something for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, absolutely. I've found it a lot with um, sort of poets that would identify themselves as mm. a heavily working class. Yeah. There's a lot of humour in their work, mm. and it sort of seems to come from that idea that you're trying to... If you make a joke out of it, you can't really be judged. Yes, Although your work, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you, you've perhaps passed that point, which is just stuck mm. with humour, but... Yeah. yeah, it is that, you know, I think, I've, you know, many of the people that I've spoken to also, you know, it's like, you know, playing the clown a little bit, that yeah. kind of like covers up, yeah. really, for so much, you know, feeling of kind of like inadequacy, or mm. the fact that, you know, as a, a working class woman, you know, you had no right to have a voice, or, you know, so, yes, it's, yeah. that's important, and really. do you, So do you think with the short stories and the monologues, it's easier to be serious because it's a different, because it's a different form, you can sort of, it's not a new start but you've developed enough of your own writing that yeah. it can now be you can now start writing seriously and mm. and the, yeah it's, yes 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 that's fine I sort of answered that for you <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the question was it I, I stated something toward you <laughs> um, we'll take a third and final poem okay please. well this is unfortunately there's some truth in this poem and um, I think that you know how we deal with death is you know quite ridiculous and I think that you know people can be extremely insensitive you know around people that are dying so this is called Catherine Catherine lying almost dead could hear all the conversations taking place near her bed the district nurse who complained and said it was Harold bloody Shipman's fault that they had so much extra paperwork and upon hearing this I saw Catherine's eyelashes briefly flutter when her partner of 40 years mused in an audible mutter, do you know what, I've always fancied a bungalow in Brighton. Nothing too big mind, smallish garden with a good sized shed, well, you know, 
raised his eyebrows and indicated towards the bed, assuming she could not hear what was being said. She then had to listen to the tales of people who had died where, when and from what, including someone or other's Uncle Stanley, who died whilst on the loo and wasn't found for three hours. Well, I thought it could have been far worse than that. Joyce Carol Vincent wasn't found for three years in her wood green flat. Then she had to listen to them ordering a carry-out. Go on then, get us fish and chips, get me chips and peas, a couple of meat and potato pies and a saveloy sausage. And later, when scoffing their food, her funeral arrangements were discussed. It was noted she didn't really want to fuss and someone suggested organic orbitals. Only cost two grand, but there's no titivation. Once the lid's on, that's that. Catherine suddenly yelled, Oh, shut up, the lot of you! And staring stoically, facing the wall, she died, probably giving up from the sheer boredom and ultimately the meaningless total banality of life and them all. Thank you very much. Okay, so uh, final question. What would you recommend to our listeners to go out and see or read or watch? Well, I just think that, you know, being in, you know, London, there's so much stuff out there. You know, just go and see loads of films, read loads of poetry, you know, go to loads of spoken word nights. Yeah, we're lucky to be here. Um, yeah, and as we were talking before, the last thing you want to do is go out and look at any pretty landscapes. No hills or trees. <laughs> no. Keeping amongst it. Yeah. Keeping no, your mind busy. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, it's strange, that, isn't it? That you would think that you would get out into the, you know, by the sea with the, you know. Mm. Yeah. Because as we were talking before, I think we both find inspiration in that busy urban yeah, environment. Yes, stimulation. And, yeah. and both find it really difficult to write when it, there's peace and quiet. Yes, you know, yeah, it just kind of frees your head up, yeah. doesn't it, too much really. Yeah, nothing worse than a blank page in the English Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, Cheryl. Well, thank I, um, you, David. I think I nearly wet myself at one point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh well, I've got a bag of sherbet lemons in my pocket. You might have <laughs> one of those later. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, you lot.